The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Abortion can be a difficult subject to talk about. For those with personal experience, it may bring pain and can be hard to make sense of. Welcome to Life After Abortion with Michaeline Friedenberg and Skylar Christensen. On our program, we'll offer a safe place to begin the conversation about abortion and provide steps to start healing. Now, here's Michaeline and Skylar. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you've chosen to spend some time with us today, and especially on such a a difficult topic. Mm -hmm. So um, we know when the word abortion comes up, wow, I mean, that that can really create, it can stir up painful memories, emotions, and perhaps we've had a negative experience with somebody who, the way they talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to assure each of you who are listening that this, this is a safe place. This is definitely a safe place. And this is a, a time where we can just together begin to delve into this topic and discuss it, knowing that we won't always do it perfectly but this is a a place to start. Right, right. We're just starting this conversation, opening it up, like you've been saying, Michaeline, in a safe place. So today on the episode, we're going to be talking about the early days of grief uh, after someone has had an abortion experience. And before we do that, there are a couple of concepts that we want to revisit very briefly that we've discussed before that kind of help to frame some of the things we're going to be talking about today. And and the first thing is just to to remember the number of people who've, who are impacted and who have experienced this. Uh, the statistics we have say that three out of 10 women by the age of 45 in the United States will have had at least one abortion. And we've talked about with every woman who has an abortion, there's a man involved, at least in some capacity. And there's very often family members and friends who are impacted by that experience as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a very large number of people. And I don't think we always think about just how many people are, are impacted by this. And then there's another concept we've talked about, and it's disenfranchised grief. And and that's basically just saying that the grief that someone experiences due to abortion is not accepted by society. It's not something that people are are given permission to grieve. It's it's something that's kind of seen as culturally taboo. It's, It's not really talked about. So when someone's dealing with this grief, they don't have the the natural outlets that people dealing with other types of grief have. 
Absolutely. And it's it, reproductive loss in general is something mm-hmm. that isn't always culturally acknowledged. And that makes it really difficult for someone who's experiencing it on many levels. And part of it is you even wonder if there's something wrong with you. Um, mm-hmm. Because you would think that if there's so many people have made this decision, that you would have heard other people talking about it. And so when we have it, we wonder, we even wonder, is there something wrong with us? Um, maybe we're reacting to this in a way that's inappropriate. But of course, something we've also talked about throughout the weeks is that there is not a right or a wrong way Mm -hmm. to react after an abortion experience or really a right or a wrong way to react after a loss. And that's something to keep in mind that each of our experiences will be unique. But so on to those, the early days of, of grief, and maybe some of our listeners are even wondering, like, why why would we even talk about that? And what is the difference? But we found that there is, there's really a, there's significant differences between those first days, weeks, or even months, as opposed to perhaps you're a year or years after the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think to, to help us to understand that, I think what I'd like to do is is ask our listeners if they would take a moment and and do a, a little exercise with us, and and I recognize that this could be challenging and perhaps you don't want to and that's completely fine. Don't don't tune out. Mm-hmm. Just stay with us, um, and we'll continue to talk about us. But but for those uh, who are are in a place where they can do this, I think it's really helpful to to really kind of recreate that situation for ourselves. So if I could could ask our listeners right now to, to think of, of a loss, a loss of a family member or a friend, think about that person. And then if you're able to, think about when you first heard about the loss. And of course, that could be different. Maybe it was sudden. It was an accident. It was something that we were not expecting at all. Or maybe it was that day that you got the news that there was a fatal illness. Um, and and just put yourself in that mindset. But then think about when that death occurred. What was that like when you heard about it? What was those first hours and that first day? And then if you're able to, maybe you can think of waking up that next day and remembering at some point that this person is gone. And then the preparations for the memorial service or a funeral. And then what was that like? That's probably a few days or a week later. And then maybe thinking about the time when now probably family and friends came together around this time, but now people need to go back. Maybe go back geography because you don't live close together, or people need to go back to their families and their jobs. And now you're left, you know, a week later, two weeks later. I, for myself, when I invite people to participate in that exercise. For me, what often comes to mind for myself is when we lost my mom. 
and for her it was um, it was it was a it was a, a fairly short um, fight with cancer. It was actually nine months. We were actually very fortunate to have nine months. She had a very aggressive cancer and was something that was actually caught quite accidentally by a doctor who just happened to be very perceptive. And so that often comes to mind for me. And so even though we had some warning and there was kind of grief in saying goodbyes, I just still, when my mom passed, it it was just so overwhelming. You know, it's like the the world stopped. Um, I went outside and wondered why it was sunny out it just didn't seem possible and 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 I could hear people talking and cars still driving and but for me everything had stopped and it was so overwhelming um and I I think about just the overwhelm and then kind of the numbing out and trying to get through the days and the intensity of the emotion around that. And I know everyone will have different memories that came up about that. But I think that something around this, and of course we can be different, but usually there is quite an intensity of emotion that is happening during that time. And we will cope with it and deal with it in different ways. Um, Someone may not be able to go to work or someone else really, really wants to go to work because they need something to keep themselves moving through the day. Um, But it's that, that kind of overwhelm of emotion and perhaps the numbness that can come in as well. And this is common when it comes to an abortion experience. Hmm. And when I'm saying that as well, and I, I was thinking about this right be, before we, we started the program, that if it's the man and woman, the woman who's pregnant and her partner participated in the decision, their early days are the early days right after the abortion procedure. But the early days may be different for somebody else. So I think of men who have shared with me that they had no idea the abortion occurred until sometime later. And so it may be months later, maybe even a couple of years later. And then they're, they're, they're saying like, oh my gosh, like I felt like someone, you know, kicked me in the gut. And and they don't know what to do. I even think about, I brought up um, my, my mom, my mom's death. Um, but when I had my abortion, and I, I've shared that I had an abortion when I was 18, I chose not to tell my family, I didn't tell my parents. And it wasn't until some years later when I began to go through healing and started to think about maybe reaching out to others and I thought sharing my story would help, that I felt then that I needed to let them know because I didn't want them to find out through somebody else. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was, I think it was, it was five to seven years after my abortion that I actually told my parents. And when I told them, I wasn't expecting this response, but they said, oh my gosh, we should have a grandchild. It had never mm-hmm. occurred to me. I didn't think about it that way. 
way. And then when I told my sister, she had a similar response and said, I don't even want to know about this. I don't want to know that I would have a niece or nephew. And what was, what just really struck me is that I was now several years after the experience I was in a place of great healing and wholeness. Not that I forgot and not that there weren't times of sadness, Mm -hmm. but I was in a very different place. When I thought about the experience, it didn't take my breath away. I didn't feel a stabbing pain like I used to. It was very different. And yet, my parents and my sister were just starting to grieve. So we were at this very different point in the grieving process. And I think it's important to understand that because sometimes kind of timeline, we kind of think everyone's in the same place. And yet when we learn about the experience, it's kind of like your early days begin at that point. So we were at very different places in our grieving process. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think so often we do think that someone is going to be in the same place as us. You know, we're not really thinking about how they're going to be grieving this. We've been thinking about our own grieving process. And like you said, you were, you were at a point where this didn't hurt. And I, it seems like, I mean, I can think of times where I've thought, okay, well, I'm kind of over this pain. So if I share this with someone else, then it's it's fine it's already kind of in the past but yeah what what you're saying is they upon you know learning this they're starting that grieving process it's this new knowledge it's a new thing absolutely so i want to thank our listeners again because i think especially if you participated in that that exercise this could really have brought up some definitely some real raw emotion and pain but i appreciate you're willing to do that because that's Mm going to help us to get into the mindset of that person so when we talk later in the program about how to help them i think it's going to make more sense so when we come back i do want to share a few stories i think again that's going to help us the most to illustrate illustrate how different people may react and then um, I also do want to mention that we'll be having a special guest on so Sharon St. Pierre is going to come on with us a little bit later and she's going to be talking to us about a unique approach a kind of a companion and a mentorship approach Mm -hmm. that I think is actually very fitting with what we're talking about today when we're talking about those early days of grief. If you do want to communicate with us, please feel free to send us an email at contact at abortionchangesyou.com. And you can like us on our Facebook page. That's Facebook slash creating a safe place. Wonderful. Like us on that page. And of course, you can always feel free to comment on that or privately email us through that page as well. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need, from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Nicolene. And this is Skylar. We are so glad that you've chosen to be here with us today. And and I want to thank those who were with us in our first segment and who um, went through an exercise with us of trying to, to, again, kind of recreate and envision what those early days of grief are like. Um, I know how difficult that that can be, mm-hmm. um, how painful that that can be. Every time I do it, I know for myself, I... You know, the tears, the tears start um, when we're thinking of that. And yet I found it to be so helpful to really be able to get in the mindset of, of, of what it's like, remind ourselves what it's like in those early days, which then allows us to be a better helper, a better companion for that person. And we'll be talking even more concretely about that towards the end of the program with our safe place tip. Yeah. But for now, I think to help us to continue to do that, there's there's a few stories that I'd like to share, parts of stories. And I think, again, the purpose, the purpose of this is, a, is to help us to think about what those early days may be like. And, and then also to recognize that for most people who are going through the early days of grief after an abortion, they are typically doing this all alone. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one other person knows, and then that other person has their own emotions that are going on. But so this is dealt with in isolation. Mm-hmm. This isn't like another loss where people are calling you or texting you or sending you cards or dropping food by for right. you. Um, this is something that people are going through alone. In fact, a story that was submitted anonymously this weekend to abortionchangesyou.com. She talked about how she was so afraid to tell others that she was having the abortion because she didn't know how they'd react. That even though she was in her late 20s, she lied to her family and said she was going away for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then she had this abortion all alone and nobody knew. 
And nobody yeah. was there to reach out to her. I mean, that's so hard. I mean, she she felt like she had to keep this mm-hmm. from those who would be her support. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then once it's a secret, it becomes harder and harder to reveal it after the fact. But let me share with you. So these are a few stories that were submitted anonymously. And so this starts and it says, I had an abortion two days ago and I feel so broken. I thought at the time that having the baby would be harder than aborting. And then she wraps up by saying, I see depression, anger, and sadness in my future because I'm so overwhelmed with grief and I'm now fighting to get my sanity back, fighting to resume my life that I thought I would have had if I had my baby. Mm-hmm. And this, the things that she shares in here, this feeling broken, and at this time, what she's only seen depression, anger, and sadness, because she's so overwhelmed. And yet we know that that is most likely not going to be her future, but it's really easy to understand when you're in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to think that it's going to be right. different. How could there be anything else? Absolutely. And then I think her describing that, she was thinking, she didn't think it would be easy to have the abortion, but she thought it'd be easier than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. And now she's shocked also at the way that she's feeling, which is something that's also not uncommon. Um, I remember myself that I, I don't know what I envisioned, but I just kind of envisioned to be like a reset button. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of, I'm going through this difficult time and I'm needing to make this difficult decision. And then I just thought, okay, then I can go back to life as it was, which is kind of what she's right. describing. I mean, we've talked about it being a disenfranchised grief mm-hmm. because society treats it as a non-event. Yes. So it almost starts to feel like you're being promised that it will be a non-event. Yeah. And then... There's this surprise when it's not a non-event, when it's significant. Absolutely. And of course, this is not going to be everyone's experience, but Mm -hmm. it is a significant experience, wherever you end up afterwards. Um, Here's another woman who said, I'm 19 years old and just had an abortion a few days ago. It wasn't something I wanted to do, but it was something I had to do. I'm constantly crying. I'm always thinking of the baby and how I should have kept it. My heart breaks every time I think of what I did. I was 10 weeks and one day. And then she goes on to say she's never going to do this again. So just that I'm constantly crying. I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking about it. My heart's breaking. Those are very common emotions as well. And again, thinking of that, thinking of being isolated. It's hard enough when we have a support group. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be times alone. There's going to be those times laying in bed at night and you're trying to go to sleep and and all of this crowds in. So even more so when you don't have a support system available to you. Um, This is from an even younger woman. She says she's 16 years old. And uh, she describes how her her parents really pressured her into having this abortion. Um, And she says, and now a week later, I've never hated myself more. 
I'm hurting more than anything, and I miss my baby boy. The only person I have right now is my boyfriend, and my parents won't even let me see him. I've struggled with clinical depression all my life, and now it's even worse. I also regained the suicidal thoughts I outgrew five years ago. I brought up how alone and depressed I've been feeling to my parents, and they brushed me off. Hmm. So, and of course, this is a unique situation. So this is a teenager, and a teenager who already has some mental health problems that she has struggled with, and it appears that she had received some help for that. Mm -hmm. And now the abortion is triggering this. It also brings up just kind of the complexity here. I can visualize as a parent why I would be not allowing my 16-year-old to to talk to the boyfriend um, that helped to get her in this situation, and yet that desperation and isolation, Mm -hmm. the parents encouraging this decision because I felt this would be the best thing for their daughter. And you can imagine now this difficulty that's going, is already arising in their relationship between them. And I think the 16-year-old Cassidy, as she's being brushed off, and, and perhaps she was, or perhaps it's the parents again trying to help her get through this. Or maybe the parents now have different feelings about it. Um, I thought it was, again, interesting in the first story where... She was saying, you know, she envisioned something different. Um, In this case, the teenager didn't want it, and so it's not surprising that she's struggling. But we don't know what the parents are thinking of as well Mm -hmm. in this situation. Right, and as we've talked about a number of times, there are so many different kinds of losses. There's not just the loss of a child. And while that's the the more traumatizing loss, probably, that's the one that's going to have really heightened emotions to it. There are these other losses that are compounding this. I mean, with this uh, 16-year-old young woman, she's also feeling a loss of relationship, it seems, in her story. And that on top of everything else, it's just so much. Absolutely. So much going into this. Absolutely. And, you know, for the for the 16-year-old, what she's describing is that the loss of the child is, it seems, in this case, a central or probably, as you mm-hmm. said, the most traumatizing, although that can be very different for different individuals as well. So if there's a loss of relationship or the loss of maybe your, your partner, or I think of men who, I think of a man who shared that he came home from work one day was engaged um he was planning for this pregnancy to continue and them having the baby and his fiance announces that she had an abortion that day so you can imagine the breach in that relationship and just that loss right there of he seen everything falling apart and in this case um could not overcome that um and that relationship didn't last and we can think of that with relationships, losing a relationship as well, right? Those early days, so yeah. overwhelming, so difficult sometimes just to get through the day. Let me read one more. Um, this um, woman wrote in and said, um, she actually talked about how she came went back and forth with her decision. She wasn't sure what to do. She kept going back and forth. And then she said that her friends kept telling me that I should get an abortion. And I, I finally listened. After four appointments, I finally did it. 
I felt relief, but hours later I cried and regretted what I did. One week later, I still want to die. My heart aches for my baby, and I just want to be with her. Does the pain ever lessen, and will I ever be happy again? And I do want to answer that question. The pain can lessen over time, um, and you certainly can be happy again. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a guarantee, Mm -hmm. but certainly um, something that's going to make a huge difference is actually being able to have companions with you along and being able to process. Now, in those early days, um, processing maybe isn't the right word to use, but I would still um, say that um, being present as we're able to with them and having the hope that the intensity of those emotions will lessen over time. Right. Uh, and having that, having that hope, um, it's not going to feel that way, hmm. but knowing that in time that it most likely will if you're able to move through healing process. And we'll, right. we'll be talking about some safe place tips and then also talking more about what that process is, is later on. But I think really in those early days, it's being able to hang on right. and know that it will get better even if it doesn't seem like it will. So you'd say maybe that in those early days, it's really important to to know that there's hope and if you're encouraging someone encourage them that there's hope but it's for them it's going to be just living in it and it's not going to be as much about processing and getting past as as much as just being in it and feeling it while knowing that there will be hope there is hope and that it can get better absolutely Definitely encouraging that, but not minimizing, mm-hmm. right? And that's a, that's a that's a, a, a little bit of a tricky place to be because what the person is feeling is real. It is real and it is normal. And so being able to say that this is normal. So we don't want to minimize it. We don't want to, as a 16-year-old said, you know, brush off. We don't want someone mm-hmm. to feel like we're brushing them off. Well, at the same time, as we're able to um, to be communicating in different ways to them that this is normal and that it will get better over time. So when we come back from our break, we're going to have a special guest on. Sharon St. Pierre, and she will be talking with us about um, some unique approaches to um, providing companionship and mentors for others. I'm really excited to hear mm-hmm. more about that. Um, and then we also will be, towards the end of the program, we'll be wrapping up with talking about some concrete things that we can do for someone who is hurting in this situation, and we'll post them on our Facebook page yeah. as well. And that's Facebook slash creating a safe place. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need, from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We are so glad that you are here with us today. And let us assure you and reassure you right from the beginning that this is a safe place. Mm -hmm. This is a safe place to talk about what is often a challenging and can be a really painful topic um, as we talk about how people are personally impacted by abortion. And yet it's such a necessary thing since so many of us are impacted in some way. So we were talking earlier in the program about the early days of grief And for those who um, were not able to catch that part, they certainly can do that on demand at Voice America. And now we are really delighted to have with us a special guest. And I know um, I'll leave Skylar you to tell us a little bit more about Sharon. But before we do that, I just I'm so excited about this because, you know, we've talked in our program about the whole variety of resources that are available, Mm -hmm. the healing resources available throughout the country. Uh, Last week, we actually talked about a helpline that people could call into and What's so encouraging is I see that there's always new resources coming on the horizon as people are seeing needs and they're saying, I think that perhaps there's um, a different way that we may be able to help that need. And one thing that I certainly kind of been hearing more about as we travel the country is, is having more of like a companionship or a mentorship approach. And I'm so excited because Sharon's actually in the midst of putting the finishing touches on formalizing Mm -hmm. this type of program. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about Sharon and then we'll bring her into the conversation. Just as an introduction, Sharon has been a licensed clinical social worker for 10 years. She got her master's in social work from the University of Southern California. Uh, She has experience co-leading group workshops um, for preteen girls and boys 
she is a clinical supervisor for the counseling department of Catholic Charities of Orange County. Uh, she also has her own small private practice, and uh, she's been developing the Merciful Companion Ministry. So, uh, you know, without any further ado, I'd like to yeah. just welcome Sharon to the show. Thank you so much for being with us today, Sharon. Oh, Skylar and Michaeline, it is um I'm very grateful for this opportunity. I'm very humbled at the same time to share this time with, with the two of you and, and the listeners. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, well, we're so glad that you have joined us today. You bring so you're such a wealth of experience, and we've had some time to um, spend some time together. So I'm also so well aware of just your compassion and your desire to be able to help those who are hurting. And so I'm wondering um, how the idea of a mentorship or a companionship program. Kind of how that how that came to you? It was created. It's been proposed by the Archdiocese of Los Angeles through the Office of Life, Peace, and Justice. It's directed by Kathleen Domingo, and she had this vision of wanting to create um, a companionship program that would direct more one-on-one help to those who want to be healed from an abortion. And knowing that there's multiple resources out there, but nothing that necessarily connects, that has a home base to connect all the multiple resources, mm-hmm. it was her idea to come up with something. And, um, you know, through knowing people and learning about what her vision was, I came into play with my background and obtained the position to be able to create what we're calling the Merciful Companion. And, and that's primarily because... Within the Catholic uh, faith, there's the Year of Mercy, and and so that name just sounded very appropriate to, to call this ministry such a thing, the Merciful Merciful Companion Ministry. And so, what is the Merciful Companion like? What what does that mean, and and what will they do? The Merciful Companion is any lay person who is interested in providing one-on-one support to those affected by an abortion, an abortion via phone primarily or in person if, if that's realistically doable. And I only say that because we're talking about the Los Angeles area primarily, and it's very big. And so if you have a merciful companion and a caller from too far off distances, then the in-person contact might be a little difficult. So initially, it's, it's geared to provide via phone companionship to those who want to be healed. And it's by um, achieving um, a training process to be able to provide them with the necessary tools to offer that support. What what does that training process look like? It's multiple steps. Initially, there has to be an interest, obviously, to want to provide this type of support. We have multiple factors in order to make sure that the Merciful Companion is going to be someone that can provide the necessary support. Um, and, you know, there's a whole list, but just to highlight two main ones, um, they need to be called to this type of ministry. They need to be grounded in their own faith, whatever that faith is. And they need to have healed from their own losses and have no unresolved issues. So it does not have to be a person who's, who's had uh, a very deep loss through an abortion or, or any reproductive loss. Um, it could be someone who's had a death in the family, however they need who have 
you know, have received some sense of closure or, or healed through that process. And what I mean by known resolved issues is related to that, but also there's, for example, strains in the family that are very deep that um, might be triggered by a conversation with the caller. We want to make sure that they have worked mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and it doesn't mean that they have received um, professional mental health therapy, um, but mm-hmm. on their own terms, they have come to a place where that trigger won't prevent them from providing the necessary help to to the caller. And obviously, we also request that they want, that they're able to receive support from, you know, significant others in their life to be able to mm-hmm. conduct this ministry because it's, it's, it's a very personal thing. And, and, you know, there's many ways that one can be affected by listening to, to the stories. And so we want to be at our best and be able to, you know, confidentially perhaps share a few things, although I'm the primary support for them, but that others in their circle of close friends or family are aware, I am doing this and I can reach out to someone in case I am being affected. Does, does that make sense? It, it certainly yeah. does. And it's, it's, it's always nice to hear that, just your, your attention to both the helpy and the helper. So yeah. you're wanting to make sure that, that everybody is in a, in a place of health around this. And, yeah. and I'm wondering, and having that ongoing support and that self-care we know is, is so important. And so how long is the training program for um, someone who wants to participate? Well, what I have created so far and I'm still in the developing process, as you mentioned initially, we are looking at to an initial 16 hours of face-to-face training with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm also uh, adding to that some preliminary training, uh, reading materials, your radio show, actually, which is excellent, as to providing them with more information that then we're going to put together during that 16-hour training. And there's a lot of role-play involved so that they become as comfortable as possible in being able to provide that compassion, that sense of hope to, to the caller. We don't know what the different stories are going to be, and as both of you are aware, there's different circumstances in all ages age mm-hmm. that, that can call in. You know, you shared about the 16-year-old, there's a 19-year-old, there could be a 65-year-old calling in, and so yes. they are coming mm-hmm. with such varied uh, walks of life and, and stories that it's important for the merciful companion to be aware of all that and to feel as comfortable as possible with the guidelines that, are, that they're going to be given to address the particular needs of that caller. Right. So I have a question uh, kind of just about the program. I want to see if I'm understanding right. So the program trains lay people who, who want to become helpers, uh, who want to receive calls from those looking for healing, and, and you go through a training with them um, to, to kind of go through some role play exercises and, and teach them how to best help someone who calls in. And then there are people who know that they, they're looking for healing, and they call into the Merciful Companion program and get uh, paired up with someone who has been trained, who will be able to to work them through some exercises, uh, work with them through some healing activities. Is is that right? Am I understanding that? Yes, yes. You're you're definitely on the right track. Now, now the training is is not just the role play. It's helping the merciful companion have a strong foundation on grief and loss, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. the different stages, how that's communicated. 
Um, you know, and we know that we're limited because we're not face-to-face with the person, but there's cues that verbally come out, you know, phrases, um, tone of voice that you can still identify in figuring out where this person is at. They will have a strong foundation in understanding what post-abortion stress is and, and the different coping mechanisms that, that, that folks utilize when they're, you know, when they're grieving, when they're in that situation. They're going to get trained in other topics as well as, as to recognizing when to refer out, when mm-hmm. it is beyond their scope. You know, this is more than I was trained. Right. This person needs more intensive help. Um, all that is going to come into play in, in the 16-hour face-to-face training as well as the preliminary. So they're, they're coming in mm-hmm. with having heard some of this information, having read about it, and then we put it into practice and we reinforce the material during the 16 hours that we are together. And that's, that's at least because I haven't, you know, fully developed the program, so that might extend a little bit. But we're not mm. done with just that training and you graduate and, and out you go and you're on your own. We mm. will do follow-up right. meetings to make sure that everybody's on the right track. I will be, you know, on a weekly basis touching bases with the Merciful Companions to make sure that they're doing okay, if they're stuck, if they're struggling. How can I be of support to them so that, again, they can continue to communicate that sense of hope and compassion to the callers? Well, this is this is really this is really wonderful, Sharon, and and I imagine that it's it's something that um, once this is is up and going, will be then adopted in other areas as well. And so when we come back from the break, I think it's it's great to have that. How are these individuals going to be trained? Mm-hmm. So let's talk just a little bit about if I'm the person calling in, what will I encounter? What does that look like? So we can have in idea about that so we'll when we come back we're gonna pick that up and then we'll wrap up with our safe place tip as promised Um, in the meantime if you any of our listeners would like to communicate with us please feel free to do that at contact at abortionchangesyou.com that's contact at abortionchangesyou.com and be sure to like our facebook page that's facebook slash creating a safe place you can like that we'll post updates from the show and you can comment or leave messages uh, for us there as well wonderful when we come back we'll be hearing uh, more with sharon Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you need extra space? A1 Self Storage has the storage unit you need, from closet size to garage. If you're looking to move, we have a huge selection of packing and moving supplies to help you move across town or across the country. Select locations are open for you 24-7, and we offer 51 convenient locations throughout California and Texas. Visit A1Storage.com. You can rent your storage unit completely online. Get started now at A, the number one, storage.com. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We are so grateful that you are here with us today. And we are in the midst of a conversation with Sharon St. Pierre. And she is um, really, right now, putting the finishing touches on a really wonderful program called The Merciful Companion. And she's been describing to us the extensive training process that individuals go through. And so we wanted to wrap up with talking about um, what it will look like. So, Sharon, if, if I'm the person person who's hurting and, and I feel like it would be helpful for me to talk to someone, um, what, well, what will it look like? Like, what will be the first step? Who will I speak to? So the way it's being developed, they, we have a hotline where we are um, working with Options United and there's a specific number um, that the caller calls to. And then the, the person there from Options United would take the basic information, um, kind of assess briefly what kind of help they want, and, and, and if what they want is the Merciful Companion Minister, then they would patch them up to one of our ministers that is available. And, and then the conversation, the first initial conversation goes from there. And the first conversation is really the most important one, which is where typically the caller will share, perhaps for the first time, their story. And mm-hmm. so that conversation will probably be the longest one, and, and that's when the sense of trust initially is developed. You know, obviously we have to, as merciful companions, have to cover some, you know, background and in, in, in conveying that we're not professionals or the merciful companion is not a professional, but they're there to offer certain certain type of help that could be six to seven weeks, it could be more, uh, mm-hmm. but it all depends on how much of that first story the caller shares and where they're at towards the end of that conversation. So, as that conversation is, is ending, then both the merciful companion and the caller are establishing a second, a third um, phone conversation to continue with, with the next steps of, of the healing process. Now, it's not a linear thing. As, as we know, we understand the pain is different and it affects folks differently. So um, we have guidelines for the merciful companion so that each conversation um, does cover a certain topic. So maybe it's talking about the anger that they feel and that might be a two phone meeting conversation rather than just one. Um, It could be dealing with 
memorializing their their child as if they describe it as a child, you know, getting to that point. So each mm-hmm. conversation is very, very different, but it's always conveying that compassion, that sense of normalizing the feelings and understanding the pain that they're going through. But again, conveying that there's hope that they may not feel 100% better at the end of the six or seven weeks, but now you're at a better place where you can make better decisions, where you can function a little bit better, even identify some unhealthy behaviors such as overspending or overeating, for example, and the merciful companion can refer them to a professional that can continue working with them if, if they want to, or even a 13-week support group you know, on grieving or um, uh, reproductive loss or something else. It could be biblical, it could be not. All those different resources are explored through the, that relationship that is built with the Merciful Companion. So mm-hmm. each, each week is, is something different, but it always depends on the relationship that has been built and where the caller wants to go next because nothing is ever going to be enforced on the caller. Right. Now that... This just sounds so wonderful, and we, we mm-hmm. you know, we've talked, it's, it's certainly something we talk about often on this program, is, is the sense of isolation, and often the lack of support that individuals feel for a variety of reasons. Um, and so, to be able to have somebody, um, a person who can actually walk through this process with you, who will be, accept you where you're at, and be respectful, um, but also have some guidance, and be mm-hmm. able to help you some so wonderful. You know, I have just one quick question because then I'm realizing we're going to need to get to our safe place mm-hmm. tip this week. Um, I know that this is something that's sponsored through the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, but I'm wondering, does the caller need to be um, someone from the Catholic faith to take advantage of this? Not at all. Not at all. The healing is for everyone who's been affected by an abortion. So there's, there's no limits. You can call out of the country it doesn't matter to us. The, the sense of helping you with the process is what we want to convey. So there's no need to be just Catholic. And even for the Merciful Companion, anybody who's listening who is of a different denomination is welcome to communicate with me and to be a part of this process as well. And how would they do that? How would they get a hold of you if they are interested in becoming a Merciful Companion? I can give you my um, work email, which is Sharon St. Pierre LCSW at gmail.com. And I would take the next steps with them in communicating more information, very similar to what we shared in the radio show, and, and then take them through the next steps of, of the process. Great. And Wonderful. we can we can add that uh, email address to our Facebook page as well so that any of the listeners can access Absolutely. That. And when the program is officially available, we will also place that on the Facebook page so that people will know how they can take advantage of this. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Blessings to you guys for this wonderful work that two of you are doing as well. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. So much. Wow. Well, that's amazing. And I was so engrossed that all of a sudden I realized we're almost out of time. But so let's quickly, and then we'll, of course, put this up on the Facebook page Mm -hmm. as well. We were talking about those early days of grieving. How can we, as our safe place tip, how can we help and be with that person? And 
and I think the thing that's really different here because of just the the overwhelming emotions that someone may feel at this time is being very attentive to the care of that individual. Mm-hmm. Things we might not think about, but in addition to being present for them, um, encouraging them to eat, to sleep, to exercise. Right. Maybe you can take them out to their favorite restaurant or if they don't want to go out, bring them something that they like to eat. Maybe mm-hmm. see if they want to go for a walk. Um, this type of self-care is really important to be able to do because already they're going through so much. And so then if you're not eating well, if you're not able to sleep, perhaps they're having trouble sleeping at night. Um, so suggesting short naps throughout right. the day, maybe something to do um, and seeing if you can get them moving a little bit um, through some sort of physical exercise. Right. And that encouragement can be so important because it's it's such a hard thing to be in and you're just not thinking about those things. No, you're absolutely not. Sometimes you're just not able to. to have, yeah. So to have someone else be able to do that. And then in addition to that, certainly if this person is in crisis, like the teenager who actually said she started to have suicidal thoughts, well, then we need to be very attentive and mm. intervene. But perhaps they're not at that point of crisis Keep in mind abortionchangesyou.com and keep in mind the international helpline. And we'll put all of that up on our Facebook page. But those are things that you can do to help someone in those early days. So we really want to thank you again for joining us um, today. We do want to mention that next week we have a very special guest with us, Leslie Brinoli, who brings a wealth of information to the show, who's also going to be sharing her own personal experience as well as her own journey of helping others. Really excited to have Leslie on the show. In the meantime, feel free to contact us at contact at abortionchangesyou.com and like us on our Facebook page that's Facebook slash creating a safe place wonderful thank you again for joining us and we look forward to continuing this discussion next week thank you for listening today be sure to join us again for another edition of Life After Abortion next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel Remember, we're here to help you.